And I do believe the God we have come to worship is the God of miracles. <laughs> and I pray. you might experience one even today. Well, this is Palm Sunday, and I'm glad to be back with you in the pulpit, you know, because the last two weeks we've had other people, and I think you need to listen to their sermons if you weren't here. Two weeks ago, it was my son, Brandon, preaching what I think was a profound message about Jesus being the bread of life and about us praying for daily bread. Last week, Pastor Tim Peck brought really one of the most powerful and clearest messages about confession and forgiveness that I have ever heard. I really encourage you to go online and listen to those. And if you say, I don't know how to go online and listen to those, um, find somebody younger than you are and they'll, they'll help you navigate that thing. Well, today on this Palm Sunday, we're going to be coming to a couple of texts that may be unexpected for you, but you'll see why in just a moment. The first one is going to take us all the way into the Thursday of Holy Week on Monday, Thursday, and the other back to this series that we've had at Lent, the Lord's Prayer. So let's stand together because we are going to be hearing our Father's Word. Our first passage comes from Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 46. Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And this is the Word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I think I can relate to those people who line the streets of Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday, you know, waving the branches and throwing their cloaks out onto to the road as, as Jesus went riding on a donkey into their capital city. That because they cried out to him, Hosanna, which, you know, means deliver us, uh, save us now. 
because their lives were hard as they served under the rule of what they considered to be, you know, an ungodly and harsh government, the government of Rome. And I'll tell you, although some of the people in Jerusalem that day were surely suspicious, suspicious of this young rabbi who came riding in on a colt, he really had already gathered quite a following of disciples because of these incredible miracles that he'd done and his profound teaching. So as he entered Jerusalem that day, many people thought he might be, he might be the long-expected deliverer, the Messiah, whom our prophets have foretold. In other words, on Palm Sunday, the people were expressing a deep longing for things to be different. They were yearning for Jesus to be the one who would come in and change things. Because in effect, when they cried out, Hosanna, they were really saying things like this, Lord, things around here can't stay the way they are. We pray, Jesus, that you will be the one who saves us, that you will be the one who delivers us in this world from evil. And I'll tell you, that's one thing that has always made it so that I could relate to Palm Sunday. Uh, I relate to people's longings for things to be different from the way that they are. Can any of you empathize with that? I mean, is there anything in your life that you would like to be different? I mean, can we have a little honesty here? Is there anything in our world that you would like God to come in and, and change things? Now, on that day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem, they were wrong in thinking that he had come to bring change in terms of political victory and military victory, and that's, that is where so many people always think it's going to be found. Let's find it in politics. Let's find it in, in the military. But even though they were, they were wrong about that, they were absolutely right about sensing that Jesus was the rescuer. He had come to make everything right. Jesus came to bring into this world and into your and my lives the kingdom of God. And believe it or not, all of that brings us into the phrase in the Lord's prayer that we've come to today, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You see, because I think this part of the Lord's prayer is Jesus actually teaching us how to express what I, I'm calling here today the um, Palm Sunday heart's cry. Palm Sunday heart cry. Uh, I, I think the only way I can explain to you why I think that this phrase in the uh, Lord's Prayer is so consistent with the longing of people's hearts when Jesus rode into Jerusalem is to try to walk you through as best I can with how I pray the Lord's Prayer. I, I pray it often. I take line by line, just as we've been doing for the, the entire Lenten season, and I stop and pray. So it's always a bit different, but I want to just pray for you a little bit so that you can see how this phrase, I think, expresses that deepest longing of people's hearts. Uh, I usually begin, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I think I am in awe that I, knowing who I am and where I've fallen short, that I can enter into your presence and know you as my Abba, my loving Father, and know that when I come to you as my Father, you don't have the kind of limitations as a Father that I do. You, you don't abuse people. You never abandon or leave us. So Abba in heaven, you're the name that I want to hallow. 
May, may your name be seen to be good in me and by me and through me in all of the world. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven because, Father, let's face it, your kingdom has not come in all of its fullness even here to southern sunny California. Can I have a witness? There are things here that are wrong, Lord. Your will is not being done here as it is in heaven. And I have to confess also in my life, Father, also in my life. So I bring you these petitions. One, give us this day our daily bread. For there are people who don't have the basic needs of their that they need in this world. And even when I have more than enough, Lord, I know I need to pray this so that I won't forget that whatever I have and whatever I am is all from you. And I do feel like I have needs today, Lord, so I'll bring them to you. So give me today what you know that I need to live for you and to honor you. And Father in heaven, I have to admit that usually I have more than I need, so give me the eyes of Jesus. Give, give me the heart of Jesus that when you bring people across my path and those divine appointments who are in distress and have needs, that I will be willing to use what you've entrusted to me to meet those needs. And two, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. I must pray this, Father, because I confess that I too need this forgiveness. I, I am one who has not always been doing your will here on earth. I, I've fallen short of your glory. I, I've participated in doing what I know is wrong as well as failing to do what I know is right. But even as I confess this to you, Father, I am so thankful that your forgiveness is freely available, that it's already been purchased through the blood of Christ, that I only am asked to come and confess and to receive, and I give praise to you, Father. So lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. Deliver us from the evil one and from this evil. For, Father, I am filled with sorrow because it is taking me so long to be made complete in Christ. Anybody ever feel like that? I'm filled with sorrow because I have to confess to you that the sins I've just confessed to you are the same ones I did last week and one month ago. Heavenly Father, I long for my life to be different for the way it has been but I'm also distressed by the fact that I know that when I leave this place of prayer, I go into the trials and temptations that I've faced before, and in those situations and in those places I have failed before, I've failed to acknowledge your presence and draw upon your strength. So lead me, Father. I am yours, lead me not into places and situations where I fail, but into places where I know that you are there. And when I am there, deliver me. Set me free from evil that my life might bring honor to you. I pray something like that day by day. I hope you can see that even by the way that I've tried to express to you how I pray it, how I understand the phrase that we come to today, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I see it as being connected to everything else that Jesus has taught us about how to pray, especially to that petition that comes just before it. 
forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. When I come to this phrase in the Lord's Prayer, there are just several uh, cold doses of reality I have to own up to. Should I tell you what they are? It, it makes me come with a humble realism, num number one, that God's kingdom has not yet come in all of its fullness. And this where, as I try to tell you that I do, I, I own up to the fact that it's also the senior pastor who doesn't always perfectly do the will of the Father. And I acknowledge that after all of these years of walking with Jesus, I don't have the strength in my own human strength to resist those temptations that come, and to overcome those patterns that become addictions, and even to walk through the difficulties and trials and tests without doubt and anxiety and, and frustration. In other words, I give words in my prayer to the reality that when I go out into this world, I'm going to be going out into those places where Martin Luther, in his great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, he says, though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo me. Sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? We will not fear, for you are near, and your strength can triumph through me. So I'll tell you, even though this isn't a message about everything about overcoming temptation. At this point, you see the very beginning of it. I think it always starts here, where you and I take this time to acknowledge when we are being led out into this world, it is filled with temptation because it is so imperfect, and that we need to identify those places where we go, and when we go there, we fail, and ask Him to lead us in ways where we won't. Where, where are they? Think about your own life. Are, are they when you go to certain websites? Is it when you hang out with a certain group of people that every time you get with them, you fall into the same old patterns, the same kind of social gatherings? Is it the go to the gym or, or identify where those places are where you often fail? Identify them to the Lord and say, Lord, lead me. Even if it's to a place when I go to shop, I keep buying more stuff than I need. <laughs> lead me in a way that I'm delivered from what is wrong. Which brings me to that third reality, the reality of divine deliverance. What I can't do on my own, God is able to do. And I'll tell you, next Sunday, we're going to think about that. But that God and God alone can rescue us. And I want to tell you to own up to the fact that He will never leave you and never forsake you. That whatever temptations and trials you may face, God is there. There is no God-forsaken moment in your life. There is no God-forsaken place in His universe. You just need to go in prayer to Him and say, I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, to bring Him into that situation. Because He can do what you and I can't do on our own. Now, what this actually looks like is something that I've been thinking about as we begin Holy Week. And I thought, well, uh, Jesus... He not only teaches us to pray like this, this is the way he prayed, and he lived. That's what I want to do too. I want to both teach and live what we find in God's Word. So I'm going to take us, as I said earlier, to that Thursday, Monday Thursday of that first Holy Week, because I think Jesus himself provides a real-to-life uh, sort of example of how we pray this, and through praying it, begin to see the transforming power of God. So on that first Monday, Thursday, beginning Matthew chapter 26, beginning with verse 36, 
When Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, he said to them, you sit here while I go over there and pray. And Jesus fell with his face to the ground and he prayed. This is diligent prayer, right? My father, if it is possible, made this cup. And by that he was talking about what he knew the father would have him undergo. May this cup be taken from me yet not as I will, but your will be done. So Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing that he soon was going to go to a cross, and he was going to experience not only the pain of physical death, but in dying, he was going to carry in his body the punishment for the sins of the world. In in other words, Jesus was aware of the indescribable suffering that he was going to have to go through. And alongside of that, Jesus knew that he had a choice to make. He had a choice about whether he would go through with this crucifixion or whether he would seek to avoid that crucifixion. So you see it. It's what you and I face all the time. He was facing a trial, a challenge, a test that brought with it a deep temptation. Have you ever faced that? When we see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, When you come to this Monday, Thursday, you're going to see a man with a decision to make. That decision, my will, or thy will, be done. Twice, he tried to get some comfort and prayer support from his friends, and twice he found them, you know, any of you asleep today? Might as well wake up right now. And to them, Jesus said these profound words about prayer and victory. They're so significant. Couldn't you watch with me one hour? Watch. And the word that he uses there within its context, you can see the chapter before, is it says, have your eyes open to the world and the times and the seasons that you are in. Know where the temptations are, just as I've been challenging you to do. Watch and then pray, or you will fall into temptation. Because for you too, your spirit may be willing, but this this body is weak. What I want you to see is that Jesus at this very moment was facing that collision that we so often face between this desire of obedience to God and the desire to go our own ways. So what what was, I wish you didn't already know. So act as if you don't. (laughs) What would Jesus do? What would he pray? Would Would he pray, my will be done? Or would he pray as he taught us to pray, Father in heaven, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now this takes us back to a sermon I did almost exactly a year ago. I don't know if any of you ever remember a word I say, but I took us back to another garden back then. It was to Adam, and I want to take you back there again. Um, It was that first big choice of human history when the first Adam had stood in a garden, but that time the Garden of Eden. And Adam, you know, faced a similar choice to what Jesus was facing here in the Garden of Gethsemane. But Adam's choice was, my will be done. Made in the image of God. What he wanted was equality with God. He wanted my kingdom come. My will be done. So I'll tell you, when that serpent came and tempted him with these words, hey, Adam, you can be like God. He grabbed that forbidden fruit in disobedience to God. And you know the result, don't you? You live it every day. Cosmic disaster. 
So now I want to pull us back to today. In Matthew 26, we see what Paul called the second Adam also in a garden. He also bears, Jesus also bears the untainted by sin image of God. And he now has the opportunity to reverse what the first Adam had done, to set things in reverse and to bring a new reign into this world. But to do that, he had to follow the call of his father through the cross. What would he do? I, I know Jesus was God, but he was also fully human. So where would he find the strength to do what is right? I, I got Jesus was really tempted here. Sometimes I feel like theologians read this and sort of think, well, he was God, so he says, well, I've got to act like this is hard, but, you know, after all, I'm God. This is no, I can do this. But that's not the way it was at all. He had a decision to make. He sweat drops of blood to make it. If he was going to die on the cross and bear our sins, it was only going to be as if, if he could resist this temptation to escape and made a personal decision to go wherever his father would lead him. So how did he do it? Where, where did Jesus make the right decision in the Garden of Eden uh, when Adam couldn't make it? I mean, the Garden of Gethsemane when Adam couldn't make it in the Garden of Eden. And the Bible tells us. Matthew 26 tells us three times. Verse 39, Jesus fell to the ground and prayed. Then in verse 42, Jesus went away a second time and prayed. And verse 44, Jesus went away a third time and... Uh, Jesus went away a third time... <laughs> And I need your help on this one because you've got, you got to say it. He, he, he prayed. And the Bible tells us that each time he prayed, he prayed the same thing. My father, if it's possible, this is the way I want to go. May this cup pass from me, but not as I will, as you will. Yeah. So simply, the Bible tells us that Jesus made the right decision in the Garden of Gethsemane because he prayed. He prayed the kind of prayer that in the Lord's Prayer he teaches you and me to pray, that we've been studying throughout the entire Lenten season. The Garden of Eden, when you read it, it is conspicuous for its lack of prayer. And do you know why? Because Adam didn't want to pray. You know, you feel this, don't you? Those times when there's something you want to do and you don't even, you know, I'll just do it and then I'll come and ask him for forgiveness. He, he did not want to pray. But Jesus prayed. Did, did I put a picture of you uh, uh, depicting Jesus praying? How hard it was out of his blood-inducing prayer on our behalf. Jesus turns to us and urges us to be people in prayer. He says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So know this, whatever else prayer is, prayer is surely a seeking to be led by God wherever he takes us so that in those places we will do his will rather than our own. So I, I need to tell you something. Until Jesus comes back again and he finishes his work in you and me and in this world, Whenever you leave church, you're going to face trials and temptations. Will you mark that down? So, so what are we going to do? 
And I'm going to give you four points that I've given them to you before, but in this context, I've got to show them to you again. Number one, each day you live in this imperfect world, know that it will be a day that you face trials and temptations. I, I don't want you to be deceived by saying you go to church and it's going to be easy when you go out. <laughs> Number two, as you go, as you do, the decisions that you make between right and wrong will involve struggle. Doing right is still not easy, even here in the San Gabriel Valley. Again, can I have a witness for that? Uh, breaking addictions, breaking patterns that we've been in for a long time is not easy. You can't do it on your own. Following Jesus, just, just being a basic witness for Jesus, when nobody else in your family believes in him or none of your friends at school or at the workplace are followers, that's not easy. Uh, don't, don't be surprised when you leave church and, and you're facing right then trials and temptations because nobody was a better Christian than Jesus. And yet when the decisions came, the temptations came, there was a struggle. I don't want you to be surprised. Three. The Lord Jesus will understand the temptations you feel, and he will meet you in their midst. Can I tell you something? That when I grew up as a little boy in church, I, I, I think they said opposite, but it, I, I know this is right. It is not a sin to be tempted. Jesus was tempted. I think we who go to church are often embarrassed to own up to the kinds of temptations that we face, especially, I think, the sexual and financial ones. So we show up at church, you know, the pastor's up there in a suit, and everybody looks good. You look around all the other Christians at Lake Avenue Church, and they said, none of them has the kind of temptations that I have and that I give in to. They all look so perfect, we think. And especially, we think, Jesus would never face this kind of temptation like I face almost every day of my life, we think, well, think again. The Bible says he was fully human and he was tempted in every way, just like you and I are, yet without sin. The point I want to make is when you face that hard temptation, Jesus will understand and he will be ready to enter in when you bring him in. And what he gives us and why I've been wanting to do this series in the Lord's Prayer is that prayer is that acknowledgement that he is there, that he cares, and that he is sufficient to help you in those times of temptation and trial. So, four... When you face temptation and you have a decision to make, I know it's so simple, but prayer is the key. But it's got to be biblical prayer. It's got to be the kind of prayer Jesus taught us to pray. The, the prayer, as Jesus would say, is not, in first respect, a way to get God to do my will. That's the way we think of it. How can I get God to do what, what I want him to do and to give me what I want him to give me? More than anything else, even though you and I can ask God for anything in prayer, hallelujah, and so often he says, yes, I'm so thankful. I'll tell you that. It is such a joy to walk with him, and I've just seen those kind of answers to prayer. But let me tell you, um, true prayer always acknowledges that God is the God. We pray, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. So let me tell you, be honest and don't hide it when you're going through a hard time. And go and, and pray to him and say, give me today what I really need, the daily bread or whatever that is, and, and pray for others as well. And when the temptations come to fail, confess them to him. Acknowledge that he is Lord. 
pray something like this. I am following you, O Lord. So as you lead me, know that my heart's desire, my Palm Sunday heart's cry is to stay away from those places where I have failed before. And wherever you lead me, Lord, deliver me from the evil that is in this world and that I am so prone to give in to. For Father, wherever you lead me, my prayer is going to be your will, not mine. Now before our, our uh, Lord's Prayer series is over, I've got to do one more thing. I, I started by talking about the us-ness of this prayer. We often pray to only meanness, but meanness, yeah, me-ness, but it's, there's an us-ness here, and I gotta say a word about this at the end to us as a church family, because even this phrase has lead us, deliver us from evil, and I've been asking the question all week, where are we the most susceptible to temptation here at Lake Avenue Church? In my usual way, I've irritated dozens of you by asking you that question. And all week, the thing that the Lord has impressed on my heart is the place that I think we are most susceptible takes us back to the thing that Jesus prayed for local churches wherever we may be found and wherever we gather. I'll show it to you as I've shown it to you many times before. It was on that same Monday, Thursday, the first one. It's in John chapter 17, and Jesus said this in his prayer. My prayer is not just for them. They're talking about, I'm not just going to pray for my 12 disciples. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. May they be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that, that you sent me and then the world will know that you have loved them as you have loved me. So here, a little family talk at the very end. If you're visiting with us, you might as well know we're not perfect here at Lake Avenue Church yet, okay? <laughs> but if you know that you aren't, you'd fit with us very, very well, so, so I'll tell you. For several months, I've been hearing rather consistently two kinds of concerns. One has said, Lake is becoming too political, Pastor Greg. Why are you letting that happen? And the other has said, Lake is not political enough, Pastor Greg. Why don't you call us more directly and, and courageously to engage in the injustices of the world, whether on one side it's abortion or the other side any kind of discrimination, by work, going out there and working for political change? And I'll tell you, that the power of these concerns, I think, has presented to us an equally powerful temptation to just give up on this local family of God to say, ah, I don't like that, I'm gonna leave this people, I'm gonna leave this place, rather than doing what the Bible constantly calls us to do, and that is to seek the Lord together so that he might lead us through this trial and this temptation together. Amen. When, when we run from those times, we just stay weak. I mean, if you just, if you have somebody that you're with that disagrees with you, you say, I don't wanna be with people like that, and you're just with yourself, well, then you don't need that other person. <laughs> but we need one another to come through this together. I, I, I tell you, I must confess to you today 
that no matter how many years I've been to school and no matter how many years I've been a pastor, I sometimes find it so hard to know how to bring the scriptures to bear upon the issues, the difficult issues of our world. And I know God's called me to do that, but to do it in a way that doesn't promote or denigrate one political ideology or another. Uh, I, ne I need more wisdom than I have on my own to navigate this thing. I'm, I'm gonna tell you this. I do know that the evils of this world will not be eradicated by political change or by military might. That's what they thought Jesus would do on the first Palm Sunday. I know that the evils of this world will only be changed by the power of the kingdom of God at work in and then through his people in this world. I believe that when we gather to worship, we gather together to worship him, to cast our eyes upon him, to ask him to continue to complete his kingdom work in us, right? Don't you need that to happen? And then we go out into this difficult world actually to represent him, to give witness to the fact that Jesus is the rescuer, that Jesus is the savior, to go out and, and show the love of God to those who don't have enough bread to eat or don't have a place to sleep or going through all sorts of things. I know that's what he would have us to do because that's what Jesus did, right? But how to balance this, the same issues that are often discussed out in the political world are the same issues that the Bible speaks to and how to speak at them confidently and courageously and wisely. Well, I, I just ask you, first of all, if in any way that I've preached about them or spoken about them, I've done so unwisely in such a way that leads to disunity, I ask for your forgiveness. But I also long for you to pray that God will give me wisdom to proclaim this word with confidence and wisdom as well as with courage, but without political affiliation. And, and I ask you to uh, ask God to make you one who will work and pray that he will more and more bring about his unity among us uh, as his people. The kind where our world, when they see us, they say, what are those people doing worshiping us next to one another and know that the Father sent the Son and know that we belong to him. So I, I want you to pray with me this kind of prayer. Lord, lead us not into to the temptation of breaking what you have brought together by the precious blood of Jesus and sealed by the gift of your Holy Spirit. And then set us free to come together and joyously worship you and joyously go out and give witness to this world to say there's a better way because the king of all kings has come into this world and the kingdom of God is available to you. Your future can be different because he can remake you and set you free. It's happening in me, it can happen in you. And praying may we here at Lake Avenue Church be brought to complete unity so that this world might see and believe. So I'm going to bring our series to a close um, by asking, giving you the opportunity to have us pray with you. I'm going to ask, we have some of our pastors and prayer counselors and uh, so many others. If you'll come right now and come to the front, we even have some that I think are going to come. I see people rousing up there in the, the, up into the balcony area as well. 
Uh, we, we are praying about these things alone, but this usness of this is to provide an opportunity for us to pray with and for you. So as Jeremy and Dwayne and others come to lead us in some music, I've got a couple of questions that I want you to ponder. Where are the places or situations in this world that you face deep temptation and failure? Can you think of any? Online? Is it in a group of friends? I mean, where are those places? When I say this, that's, it's true of us all, isn't it? I mean, so let's, let's not try to act like we, we are immune to temptation. Where are those places where you face them and even have failed? And let me ask you this, do you long for deliverance? Do you, do you long to be set free by the power of Christ and to live for Him? And are you ready to pray fervently for deliverance from evil? I'd like us all to stand for a moment. There'll be some music that plays at first, but I want you to have the courage simply to step out and come. Come and just speak uh, concisely. Say, yeah, there is this issue I need prayer for. You might want to mention briefly what it is. And our prayer counselors up here in the front, they will pray briefly with you too, that you might know in a brand new way the reality of the presence of God and the power of God to set you free and to deliver you from evil that tomorrow can truly be different from yesterday. So I want you to have this courage, come out as quickly as you can, pray with those who are in the front, and then I'll come back after we have sung, I need you, Lord, I need you, Lord, today. If you agree, come out, we'll pray, and see what the Lord will do in and among us.